This podcast is sponsored by Quickshot's Crossbow Delicatessen. Del- Delicatessen? Are they sure about that name? Nah. Well, if you need a repeating crossbow, a ballista, Bumblebee Mark II hand crossbow, the one that has quite a sting, collapsible spike thrower, dart gun, or even an enchanted fire shooting crossbow, or an icicle launcher, Quickshot's vast warehouse of more than two dozen crossbows will keep your enemies in the firing line. <laughs> I see what they did there. Very droll. All the tabletop roleplay news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ, and with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild Roleplayers. Russ, as ever, I am... Absolutely delighted to be here. Peter, we're not alone. We're not alone. It's we not have a just, guest. Not just a 1996 banger from Olive, but also uh, we have a guest, as you say, uh, Tom Parker Morganson. Parkinson Morgan? Parkinson Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. Morgan. Come on, <laughs> How now. did you do that? How did you do that? What can I say? I'm oh, used no, to seeing no, the name no. Abaddon. Both, both of you are English, so you've got no excuse, man. Well, I've, I've, got, I've got literally no excuse whatsoever. Tom, I'm no, sorry, Tom. No, no, don't uh, normally, yeah, yeah. Don't, normally I leave it to Russ to mispronounce someone's name, oh, so that was okay. not even mispronunciation. <laughs> it's, just, it's just playing game wrong. So do you want to do it again? Do you want to do it again, Peter, or do you, are you happy with uh, being humiliated? On <laughs> uh, that's all right. Shame, shame is for people who feel such things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Actually, so our guest, man. yeah, sorry, our guest is Tom Parkinson Morgan, <laughs> who is uh, he's the uh, uh, creator of Kill Six Billion Demons, yes. which is uh, a comic book, and True. also there is a RPG called Broken Worlds based on it, and yes. also one of the uh, creators of the Lancer RPG, which is a mechs in space RPG. Well, it's made yeah. stuff like big. Robots tromping around a battlefield, accessible and fun, yeah. which is kind of cool. So, well, yeah, I'm well thank that. you. <laughs> yeah, but we'll get onto that shortly. Mm. So let's do some news quickly, shall we? Yes, yes. What's happening in so, the world of RPG news? Yeah, there's quite a lot. When I say it's quite a lot, I mean not very much. But, you know, one of, the, one of those two things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just so I'm just so used to there being a whole ton of it, and now we've got to January. And it's yeah. just after the holidays and everything, and everything's quite slow. Yeah. There's just not an awful lot happening. Mm-hmm. But I'm not complaining. Okay. So, what we could start off with is a D&D TV show. Is this a TV show featuring people playing D&D, a TV show about D&D, or a TV show set using D&D? The last one of those three things. Right. So. The creator of the John Wick franchise. Okay. Okay. Right. He has been tapped. He's called Derek Kolstad. Right. And according to The Hollywood Reporter, he's been tapped to develop a live action series based on the Dungeons and Dragons universe. Interesting. Okay. That's literally all it says. <laughs> so it's this, it's, this art, it's this article on The Hollywood Reporter. It says that, and then it basically spends the rest of the article telling people what D&D is. Yeah. Which, um, which we already know, but well, if you're listening I, to this podcast, we hope we hope you're aware of it. We um, pretty much assume. <laughs> yeah. If not, check check the archives. So we, we'll, we'll probably discuss it at some point. Yeah, I'm kind of curious what you can do with D and D on TV, though, because I kind of think yeah. D and D itself isn't 
a story, is it? Hmm. No. D&D's a toolkit to create stories. So yeah, yeah. something like, I don't know, Dragonlance is a story. Yes. Or, I don't know, the tales of... Of, of a drist or something is, Russ, a, is a story. Or... Are, are you fumbling trying to explain the distinction between setting and system? Um, I guess yeah. so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. But, but what, I, what I was trying to say is I don't quite get how that would translate to D&D, yeah. uh, tra- yeah. translate to TV. It's never worked. It's never worked though, has it, when they've tried doing it before? Oh, no. I, yeah. I quite like the, uh, the, the, the animated series. That was quite good. The best D&D type stuff is when there's a metal layer to it, like like the D&D mm. community of, of uh, episode of Community. Have you ever seen that mm. one? Or like, or like oh, yes. any like show where they play D&D on the show, you know? Yeah. That, that works. Yeah, I, well. I, like, I like the Community one because they weren't actually like going off into a forest and wearing costumes. That, that yeah. really improved it from my point of view. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> Which I know is a very strange thing to say, but normally when they do it, like they always cut to the characters wearing, quite frankly, terrible costumes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which they have yeah. like ten ten pound budget and a shiny bit of string. Um, mm. It's well, like it's it's not not what we're looking for, guys. Dan Harmon um, went on and made a Harmon Quest, right? If you guys have seen, yeah, that. yeah. Which is literally yeah. just them playing D and D and animating it, and like that that works really well. Mm. Like that style, yeah. like Critical Role works, right? They're making a series yeah. out of that. I understand that. Yeah, but Critical Role's also got an animated, animated, um, yeah, yeah. animated yeah. thing coming up, which they did right. that big Kickstarter for, haven't right. they? Right. And that's on Amazon, that I think. Sense. Yeah, yeah. That makes Amazon. Sense to me. But they, made, they made a lot of money doing that, so that's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, that was like 10 million or something. <laughs> that was, a, that was a good Kickstarter. Oh, that, that good 10 episodes there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. yeah. yeah but, but doing a live-action version would be quite challenging when you've got magic and also... You're turning people from, you know, fairly athletic, but you're you're really going from Hawkeye to four in not too long a time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think as long as they pick a story, yeah, like you know, a setting and a story, and they kind of focus on that and not try to just smush everything from D and D into one show. You wonder that what is the, a lot of kitchen sink. Oh, sorry, you wonder, yeah. what the, you wonder what like the tone of it's going to be, right? Because like. Because mm. you you know because if it's the guy who does John Wick, I imagine they're trying to go for a fairly serious tone. Yeah, you know, that's quite violent. That'd be quite a yeah. violent show as well, I guess, wouldn't it? Mm, mm. But then you like... know, there's something a little bit silly about D and D, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure if, it, <laughs> if it'll always fit. You know. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the a lot of the enjoyment comes because you have such an emotional range sometimes, like uh, due to. Amusingly bad dice rolls, uh, both a ranger and a paladin failed their uh, wisdom saving throws versus a vampire and ended up being charmed and dragging people off. Which, which quite frankly, I, you know, I, I couldn't have written if I'd wanted to, but it was just so <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. Well, I guess we'll find out more in a year or two whenever that happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it happens, it's only, it's only like in early stages. A lot of these things just don't happen, don't they? Yeah. And also, with, with uh, such a essentially cast-based, class-based, well, I just say cast, uh, but but yeah, the cast is very important because you've got all the classes and it's like the the synergy, like you don't have a D&D group with a main character, mm. like that's not a thing that yeah. happens, you can have a character that maybe is the focus for part or all of the session, but you don't have a main character, and it's like that medley, that ensemble, yeah. which mm. is why shows like Firefly really, really were amazing. 
Yeah, yeah. If they get Joe Joe Manginello to get in it, or if they get uh, <laughs> if they get Henry Cavill on it, then I'll watch it. <laughs> I, if, I, I don't know if they oh. can afford Henry Cavill. He's, I, doubt, I doubt he goes cheap these days. Well, yeah, I mean, you never know. He might do a film Samuel L. Jackson is like, I really like the script. Right, Sounds maybe, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, imagine if Samuel L. Jackson was in it. That'd be amazing. That'd be incredible. Should we talk about Pathfinder for Savage Worlds? Because the Kickstarter launched. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And Have you heard it about it? launched. This? Well, no. I, I no. don't think it's any surprise, but it launched incredibly well. Yeah. So it launched just the other day. It's at, let's have a look, it's a, a nearly quarter of a million dollars already. That's like four or five days now? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. $8,000 goal. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that's just taking the mick. Oh, well, they do say, Don't they do the say <laughs> sort of down on the page, they say, look, we're going to make this game anyway. Um, we've got the money to do it. We're just mm. doing this sort of publicity. <laughs> it's fair. Why not? That's what, that's what most people use Kickstarter for these days, isn't it? Yeah. I think. Or, awesome. or to actually get funds, uh, depending on your yeah, level of creative. I, I think the way people use Kickstarter is starting to change. It's not mm-hmm. solely for that now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, there's always going to be a mix, which is quite nice. And it's still probably one of the better ways to do it. Yeah. yeah. Because there are some really good other good crowdfunding platforms out there, but none of them have the, the brand Audience new reach. that Kickstarter has, yeah. yeah. So did you see the preview of the wizard of how they're handling that? Mm, yes. Which like is it. interesting. So basically, um, I mean, we had them on the podcast last week, so um, listeners will already know, but yeah. basically they're using, I was going to say feats, they're not feats, are they? They're um, edges yeah. in Savage Worlds. So using uh, edge trees, basically, mm. to sort of kind of simulate a class. Yeah. And um, they sent they sent me along a copy of the wizard, which I whacked mm. up on my website for everyone yeah. to see. And that was really interesting because um, you're you're much more of a Savage Worlds player than I am, Peter. So you know you're you probably understood what you're looking at more than I did. Well, well I'm a Savage Worlds GM as well. So yeah, yeah, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> so, so so what were your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I liked it. It looked like a good way to do it. If I was going to do a class, I'd do something like that. Probably not as good, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, I'm I'm pretty pretty trust with it, and also I still like the fact that you can use these class edges, and that would be pretty sweet. Mm. But you know what? You don't have to. Right. Yeah. You can you can just. So you're not use... locked into a class. No, no, no. You, you're not locked into it at all. I mean, multi-classing yeah. is just going to be super know, easy. Yeah, yeah. You're going to need the like the base attributes for it, but yeah. uh, it's not going to be bad. And you've still got the whole of the rest of Savage World. So if you want to have like a lot of gunslingers or you decide, you know what, I fancy a portal fantasy and have a bunch of modern day characters or a bunch of spies get thrown into a fantasy world, then they could totally roll through into Rise of the Rune Lords. And yeah, you're not even going to need to convert it. It's just going to work. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty, pretty fun. I like it. Yeah. 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 Well, the, uh, like I said, the um, Kickstarter is doing really, really well. It's quite expensive because mm-hmm. th- there is a couple of big boxed sets. Mm. So you've got the Rise of the Rune Lords box set, which is five books. Yes, six. And uh, uh, six books even, yeah, yeah, yeah. six books and, and it's, it's sort of handouts and chart, other yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then you've got the core rules boxed set. Mm-hmm. Which has like the core rule book, and it's got a uh, bestiary, and it's got tokens, and it's got maps, and bennies, and all the sort of Savage Worlds cards and 
stuff that you have in Savage Worlds. And so it's not cheap. It's like $300 for the two, I think. Well, well that's, that's like the full shebang of all yeah. of the physical media, including GM screens and Bennies and dice and yeah. just like the whole... The whole, the whole, the whole lot is just like you get, you get hit with a box full of stuff. You're like, oh, why? Yeah. Did you see? Did you see how much the shipping was though? I COVID shipping. And I'm, oh man. I yeah. I I, I said seventy five dollars. I believe it. <laughs> having 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 shipped a, a a book this year, I totally believe it. Like, yeah, last, last year, I guess. Yeah. Sorry, in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've we've just been hit with this double whammy. We've got COVID <clears throat> shipping, but also yeah. we've got. Brexit shipping as well. Oh, yeah. at the yeah, same oh, yeah, time, yeah. right? Yeah, even worse. <laughs> so shipping to Europe is just yeah. oh man, that's Nightmare-ish. horrible. Yeah, yeah. And then you get customers at the other end who are just getting hit by these random charges, mm. which you, as the the person shipping to them, can't predict mm. what 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 those charges, what those customs charges, and things like that are going to be, or if they'll be applied. Yeah. yeah. Also, Sometimes it just goes straight through, no problem. Yeah. Other times it's like oh. It's how much? It's more than I actually pay for the product. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's good to know. I'm sure you can find out, but I don't know how to. I haven't met anyone who knows. So, hey, maybe listeners, you could write to us and let us know how to predict customs charges. That yeah. seems like it will be super relevant over the coming years. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, that's that's depressing. That is depressing. Yeah. COVID <laughs> and Brexit are two topics that we don't like. Oh Woo. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, I, I spent $75 on the backing the digital-only mm. uh, Rune Lord thing because that would give me all the books in PDF. And I'm like, well, the monster manual equivalent, the bestiary, is going to be worth it. That is very nice. Yeah. And also, the way they were talking about all the stuff. Oh, anyway, sorry. Sorry, listeners. Uh, I am very enthusiastic about this project. So I realise we covered this in depth last week. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still a fanboy. What can I say? Okay, let's move on. Let's move on yes. to the hand and eye of Vecna. The hand and eye of Vecna. Yes. Not the head of Vecna. Not the head of Vecna. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Everyone always says that. <laughs> it's the go-to Vecna joke. <laughs> ah, that's, that's. For, for, for those listeners who may not be familiar with this archaic piece of Dungeons & Dragons lore, essentially there was an evil necromancer, lich, whatever, called uh, Vecna, and there were two powerful artefacts created. A hand which if you cut off your own hand oh. and attached his would give you magical powers. And an eye, if you plucked out your own and put his in, would give you, again, super powerful magical thing. So, of course, yeah. a crafty and, quite frankly, evil GM created an even better artefact. The head <laughs> <Reckon. of> Vecna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I see now. Yeah, that's yeah. not going to work. Clever. Clever. Well, well, well anyway. I don't know. <laughs> So, WizKids um, have created a sort of mantelpiece collectible um, <laughs> ornament of the hand and eye of Vecna. Nice. You know, like, you have, so it's like the hand. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, holding my hand up like, like people on a yeah. podcast can see it. Right, right, basically, you have a hand monkey like ball. that. Yeah. And then, uh, then it's holding the eye, and then it's enclosed Ooh. in a sort of glass or perspex dome. Oh, good. I know. <laughs> so, so, so you're sort of that's, keeping it under a dome, yeah. like it's a rare yeah. specimen. <laughs> yeah, nice, yeah, a nice tasteful piece to show your show your mum when she comes by. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but if you want oh, one, you can pre-order it for one hundred and twenty nine ninety nine. Lovely bargain. Snipper. If that's if that is what oh, you would like, or as the centerpiece of your living room, then. <laughs> Well, exactly. I mean, it's it's hard to argue with those kind of numbers. No, no, no fair enough. Uh, 
with, with, with kids know what they like. They they were the people who bought us the um, mounted dragon's head, I believe. So really, man, so then, that's well, that's gonna sell. That that's else? gonna sell like hotcakes. I'll tell you, man. There's like people in my circles who who were like, oh yeah, I only spent $300 on a Goku the other day. I got a cool <laughs> limited edition Goku figurine for $300. And I'm like, how many Gokus do you have? They're like, oh, I've got like four, but this one he's got like, you know, different colored hair this time. Oh, wow. Well, so, so, so gonna, like, yeah, but, people yeah. are buying this and fair play to them. If it makes them happy, yeah. can't, can't take it with you. Yeah. So stick it on the WizKids news. Yeah. WizKids have also teamed up with the Critical Role folks, and they are making a range of pre-painted plastic miniatures. Critical Role pre-painted plastic miniatures based on the world of Exandria, which is um, where uh, Taldore, if I pronounce that correctly, and uh, Wildermount are both set. And uh, they're going to be appearing in Hobby Source later this year, and they can include like iconic monsters and apparently player characters from the series. Including something called a gargantuan Udark. 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 U D double A K. It's not a small Udak, it's a big Udak. It's a, big, it's a really yeah. big gargantuan Udak. Yeah. Look at the size of that Udak. It's gigantic. <laughs> yeah. Cool, that's a big Udak. Critical Role is kind of expanding into everything now. They've got your TV show, they've got That's comics, cool, and obviously they've got they yeah. launched their own tabletop gaming company last year. Daring was it Darrington Press? I think yeah, it's called yeah. something like that. Um, yeah. Starting yeah. with Matt Mercer's um, sort of, well, I think it was like Gangsters with Magic game or something like that RPG. I can't remember oh, what it was really? called exactly. It was they a new a, it was a new property that they were developing. They had a big. They also did a. They did. They actually did a, a minis run. I think over Kickstarter, right, with a different company at some point. Probably for a while, which is interesting that they're doing this with WizKids now because they had the yeah. miniatures already. So yeah, they're, they're basically a multimedia empire now. Yeah, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still. I'm still waiting for the Critical Role RPG. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I and I still wonder if because one of the big on ramps to D and D these days is yeah. via Critical Role. Yeah, mm. definitely, definitely. If Critical Role kind of like went off on a branch and created their own core Critical Role RPG, how that would affect that on-ramp and whether that would slow D&D's growth or not. Mm, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they'd ever split because like that's just sort of the system they run. Matt's been running it. Yeah, true. They enjoy it, you know. They might, they might pick a different game to play eventually, mm. but I'm not, you mm. know, there actually isn't a lot in the vein of like, fantasy RPGs with that sort of level of um, depth out there other than like Pathfinder and D&D really yeah. I mean, like, there's like right like if I had to think about it like that market like like the, the size of it is is significant right like 13th Age yeah. maybe yeah. you know maybe, maybe like Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Warhammer Fantasy it's different yeah, system but, but yeah specific yeah so like you know where, where, they, where would they yeah. go to exactly you know so. yeah. you've got a lot of uh, OSR, the BX style hacks and so forth. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Black yeah. hack. They go pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Play DCC. <laughs> yeah, go play. Go play Dungeon Crawl Classic. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I, that that might affect their listening figures because yeah, definitely. So this stuff is kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe not in such a good way, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I do like it, but it's. But, you're definitely right yeah. about it being a big on ramp, though. It's definitely a huge, mm. a huge mm. um, 
result. I mean, Twitch streaming of, of, of D&D in general, actually, I think it's been really... Yeah, I think it was like two years ago, Wizards of the Coast said that pretty much 50% of their new players over yeah. the previous few years had come on via Twitch streaming. That was yeah. their... Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Whereas it used to just pretty much be someone you knew introduced right. you to it was all word of mouth wasn't it and that was right. the only way you were really going to get into the game because there was no celebrities playing it for you to watch there was no mm-hmm. there was nothing well was, you know even before the internet it wasn't really any really super accessible ways for you to get into it's it it's like it's like it's like critical roles streaming like that accessibility thing and then also mm. stranger things i think yeah yeah mm. yeah kind of exposed yeah. it a lot. It, it's sort of yeah. a cultural zeitgeist is yeah, yeah. and and like community and yeah, Big Bang yeah. Theory and yeah, a whole load yeah. of a whole load of sort of TV shows and yeah, yeah. I mean, but I've heard today, and my source is some guy on Twitter, which hopefully I'll be able to find <laughs> well, that a bit more verification of. But eighty-one percent of the channels that were streaming under D and D were in English, but only forty-three percent of the channels that were streaming under tabletop RPGs were in English. So Portuguese, actually, the biggest listen, the most. Subscribe to channels are actually in Portuguese. Mm. Oh, I believe it. Huh. Well, there's yeah. probably well, I don't think probably there's definitely big RPG markets for mm. sort of. I'm personally not that familiar with, just I don't mm. speak the language, and but they yeah. are out there. We just don't yeah. tend to interact with them so much. Well, yeah, certainly not in the Anglo, the Anglo uh, yeah. speaking sphere. So yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like the most popular RPG in Germany isn't D and D, is it? It's the Dark Eye. Dark Eye. Yeah. 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 Or like Call, uh, Call of Cthulhu in Japan, it's like is it? Popular. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, I think we might be nearing the end of the news. Actually, As I said, there wasn't a massive amount. It, it really is a slow week for news, then. Uh, yeah, it's been a slow month, to be honest. But I don't think there's any big surprise there. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, uh, do you remember Quest RPG? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, that looks cool. Quest Quest 2 is coming. Is doing a Kickstarter starting in February. Is that oh, for hey. a couple of adventures? Nice. I seem to recall. Yeah. Is that... Is, there's a couple of adventures coming out for it, I seem to recall. It, well, well, well it's like the thing that on the Kickstarter page said it was yeah. Quest 2, which is where I know it from, so I'll give the guy a poke and you know, see, see, not, see if he wants to come and talk to it. It's not mm. a well-named RPG, is it? It's kind of hard to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah. Good look googly, it's all not, not good for SEO, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, quest. Yeah. Well, mm. While we're looking that up, uh, Free League mm. Publishing, they are they are now yeah. accepting pre-orders for their Simbaroom boxer, uh, boxer set, starter set, which yes. is a boxed set. A boxer uh, set, I nearly said not, that. Not, not a boxer set. set. Not a boxer set, a boxed people. starter set yeah. is what I was trying mm-hmm. to say. I can do oh, words. Liar! Sorry. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah, so that's uh, it. Was originally published like ten years ago, I want to say, in Sweden. Mm. Um, it's, it's and then been out for a while, yeah, yeah. Then there was an English version a few years later, and mm-hmm. it's set in this massive forest that's sort of over the top of a sort of long dead like civilization. Yeah, yeah, and there's the various like terrible apocalyptic events mm. and quite a lot of genocide, if I recall the person explaining it to me. I mean, basically. Really? Mark, well, that, that someone was expo- someone at a convention was explaining the history to me, and that mm. was what I took away from it. Apologies if that's wrong, but no, when I, I played know. a game of it, it seemed a lot like D anD D. I was like, well, I can already play Fifth Dead if I want to do this, and Thirteenth Age if I want to do something more fun, and Savage Worlds if I want to do literally anything else. So maybe not. Hey, 
Well, the final, the final bit of news I have is yes. the Warlord playtest. Ah, level up news. Level up. Yes, yes. And that went out late last night, our time. Yes. Sneakily went out a day before it was expected, because it was expected today. Yes. Who could have anticipated such a thing? Oh, such such rapid movement. <laughs> yeah. And this this is like the full Warlord class. Most of the previous playtest documents mm. have been levels 1 to 10. This is levels 1 to 20 plus 3 archetypes. Oh, yes. Nice. So, so it's the whole the thing. Range. And the kind of standout features of the Warlord class are A, it lets you buff or give other characters actions a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, you get followers. Mm. And also you get strongholds. Nice. And those are things that, you know, you don't you don't have to, like, micromanage the followers. They're kind of like, mm-hmm. like in that Beowulf game, they're kind of like ability, once per day abilities you can use. Oh. So if you've got a healer as a follower, once per day you get a free heal sort of thing. Or if you've got a mm-hmm. bodyguard, once per day you can avoid damage, that sort of thing, rather than having to actually manage a group of followers. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. I'll, I'll definitely have to have a look at it. Uh, I would, I'm not sure how... Well, that would suit the strict grid DMing, but certainly for Fierce with Mind, that that works very well. Well, I like, I like the idea in Beowulf. Obviously, we haven't actually released the um, rules for that yet, so I couldn't... No, no. Yeah, I remember this, uh, uh, Rob Schwab released the uh, Warlord uh, Yeah, and this Warlord, uh, because that was open game content, this Warlord does have some of that DNA in there. Enough of that mm. DNA that um, that's mentioned in the open gaming license at the end. So there's elements of mm. that in there. And there's elements of the Noble class from the Masterclass Codex, which oh, re-released yeah. a few years ago. Mm, mm. Plus the is quite some other stuff. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, as I say, I am not familiar with... Was it 4th edition? 4th edition is where it first happened, yeah. 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 And then um, it didn't make I, it into 5th edition. Yeah, like, um, I think you mentioned 13th Age, Tom, so I guess Occultist. Mm. So in 13 days, I think it's called the Marshal, I think, but there's, but oh, there's right, the same yeah. concept there. Oh, okay. I think. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Um, maybe one of the later classes. It's not mm. the core book or expansions I'm familiar with, like 13 True Ways. Yeah. Right. But anyway, yeah. that, that playtest is available and people can download it, they can read it, they can test it, and they can, they can jump onto the survey and fill out the playtest survey. Yes, yes. Uh, more feedback, the better. Yeah. And with that, I think we have finished the news. And decided if you can think of something I may have missed. No, it has been quite quiet. In the world I, I've been in a work hall, man, so I wouldn't tell yeah. you. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Let us play our favourite game in all the world, the game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. Tom, you've never played this game before. I'm very excited. You look excited. Yeah. <laughs> I would say more terrified, but excited also. Peter, Peter has played it approximately 133 times before, I think. Mm. Is. At least. What, what episode number are we on now? Many. <laughs> yes, many, many oh. times. It, it, well, well, like here, you've heard the title, so that's the rules recap, also sorted out. Um, and shall, shall I go first and show you? Yes, how yeah, you go first, it? and then and then Tom can see how it's played. So, yeah. Peter, are you ready for your first one? Yes. yes. What hey, is Polyhero Dice? Polyhero Dice. Mm. 
Hmm. Polyhero. P-O-L-Y-H-E-R-O. Dice are polyhedrons, so it seems to be some sort of cunning riff upon this name. Um, So poly means many heroes. So it sounds like this is a Kickstarter for dice, and I would take a further um, stab at it by saying... It is producing a complete set of D4 to D20 for classic Dungeons and Dragons based classes. And they're all coloured, themed and designed in that line. What Um, do you mean by designed in that line? Be more specific. (laughs) So you've got like a barbarian set of dice. You've got a bard set of dice. Warlock, wizard. And they've all got like a distinct colour scheme and like pictures associated with it. Okay. that would be, you know, probably the safest answer. But I'm going to go and take a punt and say, actually, it's a role-playing game which is based entirely on dice. No, yeah. I'll stick with the first answer. That's you stick with the first answer or the second answer? I'm going with the first answer. The first answer. Okay, you're halfway there. You're halfway there. So, it is, as you say, a set of dice, but, you know, the clue was kind of in the title there. I can't give you any points for that. <laughs> and you said they were themed around different classes, which, again, yes. you are correct. However, not by colour, by shape. (laughs) And I'm not joking. So, for example, the cleric set, you get, seriously, you get a a six-sided mace. Okay. You get ten-sided holy symbols, an eight-sided potion of healing, a twelve-sided chalice, a four-sided warhammer, and a twenty-sided sensor. And all of these are shapes which can also be rolled as dice. How does that work? <laughs> Thanks, <Tom. laughs> I think I think I'm going to show what? you the actual Kickstarter page so you can yeah, see what yeah, they look like because like, yeah, it's on. so hard yeah. to describe. Um, yeah. Okay, so it's sort of it looks like a warhammer. Right so there you go. There's, a, there's the link. But you can also roll it. That and we have we, we have sets for cleric, oh. warrior, wizard, and rogue. That was just a cleric set that I just described. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, oh, they're like the... Yeah, I see. All right, that sort of so, works. So, so yeah. it's definitely the shape of a warhammer, but you can sort of, I guess, throw it, roll it, <laughs> I guess. spin it. It's, it's, it's quite hard to describe to people who are listening to the podcast, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, well, they, they're, they, they, they're not traditionally shaped dice. They're like... No. Um, they're like the cylindrical dice. where you roll, like they're, they're objects you could use as dice if you throw them. They're not... Because I yeah, was imagining like a D20 with a handle sticking out of it, and that's not really <laughs> that, that, No, it, it, if you basically imagine um, something that you might use on the tabletop to be like a prop, if you said, okay, well, this is like a, a holy hammer, and this is a sensor, and like that sort of thing that you'd use as a prop on a tabletop, it's like that, but they have numbers on, and apparently you can roll them. Hmm. I mean, that seems... I can't quite see how the hammer would roll, but some of the others could roll. Yeah. But if you scroll down, you can see the warrior one is like dagger, sword, mace, gauntlets, helmet, and spike yeah. balls. Yeah. Uh, the I've rogue just had a quick flick through the video, and i got to say, it doesn't actually show them being rolled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these, these cannot be balanced. There's no way these are balanced in any way. Uh, well, some of them, there's the, in the rogue set, no. one of them's... So we've got powder kegs. For D20s, yeah. which are basically barrel shaped, and yeah, they can, they can roll, I guess. Yeah, 
Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna roll like six every time or something. <laughs> like you can just tell. Oh, right. Would you like a turn now, then, Tom? Yeah, go on. <laughs> right then. <laughs> what is tiny paper dungeons? Tiny paper dungeons. Mm. Oh, 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 that's that sounds cool actually. Uh, so, mm. so what? So this is this is like a um, like a paper foldout, like cut cut and assemble kind of deal for um, for making dungeon terrain, mi- miniature dungeon terrain. Is it like a like a cutout book, that, like a flip book that you go and you like cut stuff out and assemble it from there? Is that close? Sort of the, the, so it's the like idea? a notebook. Okay. And it's a like pocket size spiral bound little notebook. Yeah. Just filled with like these randomly generated dungeons. Oh, I see. So it's actually just like like ha- ha- flip a flip a page open and have a dungeon. Yeah. There. So they're procedurally generated and each book is unique because of that, apparently. Ah. So if you bought two copies of the of the book, I, I guess that means you're gonna get two totally different sets of dungeons. Cool. Ah. Uh, and then you get like this fifty page booklet, three times mm-hmm. five inches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is really interesting. It just explains how to interpret the symbols that you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's not yeah. bad at all. That's pretty cool. That's, that's a clever little idea, that. Yeah. I can't, I can't, yeah. Back, I can't back two Kickstarters in one day. That's t- <laughs> <laughs> or can I? Or can you? <laughs> I mean, technically I can. <laughs> I do oh, like okay. this idea. You'll have to do more of your own Kickstarters to fund your Kickstarter. Yeah, I know. I know. It's like this recursive Kickstarter loop where every <laughs> every every penny I make out of Kickstarter, I plow back into it. They've got you. Yeah, yeah they've got me hooked. Um, and this one's done really well as well. It's done. Um, yeah, it's done forty-two, nearly forty-three thousand pounds out of a seven hundred twenty-nine pound goal. I think in dollars. Yeah, thousand thousand dollar goal. Nearly $60,000, 10 days to go. So it's done really, really well. That is an impressive, Hmm. impressive number. Yeah. Right, I think you're basically level pegging in the game at the moment. You both pretty much got it close, (laughs) but not quite. (laughs) Oh, don't worry. There's everything to play for, Tom. There's everything to play for. So, Peter, are you ready for your next one? Minus a million, because that's pretty depressing. I feel like this yes, is, yes. this one sounds quite easy actually, but we'll give we'll yeah, give it yeah, a go. Bruce. Are we you ready? They sound easy. <laughs> Out of the ashes. Oh, that is an evocative name. I do like that. Um, it implies there's been some sort of pyroclastic destruction. Uh, I feel of the world. Uh, you're rising out of the ashes of the previous civilization. So we've got like a post-apocalyptic vibe going on, and it's all about how you're rebuilding the world and um uh yeah rising phoenix like to uh yeah so it's sort of fundamentally quite a hopeful game in many ways is is what i'm taking away from that name if i didn't know better i think you were actually reading the kickstarter page (laughs) i know you're not (laughs) out of the ashes a fantasy tabletop rpg about rebuilding a ruined world there's still plenty of hope and plenty of wonder in the world is the first line of the kickstarter it's exactly what you just said Nice. What, what like, can I say? That's a hell of a good name. <laughs> you didn't get a single detail wrong, mate. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, okay. Well, I'll shut up then. Yeah, uh, this is a British uh, <laughs> Kickstarter based out of Sheffield by Paul Michener, Ooh, right. who's sometimes okay. known apparently as Dr. Mitch. Ooh. And for £15, uh, 15 pounds you can get a PDF, or for uh, £35, pounds you can get the uh, the physical copy of the book. Hmm. 
Wow. You did really well. Yeah. A million points, Peter. Well done. Sorry, Tom. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. So, last one. I believe you can do this. All right, then, Tom, are you ready for the last one? I'm ready. I'm prepared. <laughs> yeah. The last one is called Dangerous Destinations. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that's got to be like a... Um, I'm going to guess like a either, either D&D 5e or system agnostic compendium of like uh, exploration locations and dungeons that you can flip through and use for your game. That's what I'm thinking. Pretty close. It is, it is system agnostic, like you say. Okay, there you it go. It doesn't actually contain a bunch of destinations. It, it's a guide to creating oh. interesting destinations. Okay, okay. So it's by a company. They did a... Well, they, well, they should have slapped it in the title. It should have been creating should, dangerous destinations. They should have done. But, <laughs> but, that, but that would be, be as, like, uh, alliterative, though, wouldn't it? It would be like, so. it'd be like if I go to the shop and it's like... It's like you know, I buy a packet that says lasagna, and then I open it up and like it's, <laughs> it's just a bunch of ingredients. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so designing dangerous destinations. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, D To be fair, the, ti- the title of the book is called Dangerous Destinations, but on the cover it does actually say also the oh, words okay. the definitive guide to creating intriguing how, the dynamic. How small does it say that? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Find oh, sounds, the bottom. It, it sounds like fun. I don't, I don't want to put these guys on the last. <laughs> uh, all right, this is another one that's done incredibly well. They're all doing really well this week. Uh, this one, uh, $10,000 goal, doing almost 150 grand so far with three weeks left to go. Nice. Really, really well. well and this is by Nord Games. Yeah, they've done quite a lot of stuff Ooh. and they're usually very successful. They're, uh, they know what they're yeah. doing. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I can't quite give you a million points there, unfortunately, <laughs> Tom. Um, oh, man. Which does mean, I think, unfortunately, Peter is the winner of our favourite game in the oh. world this week. Peter gets the trophy. That The trophy being a metaphorical trophy is a smug sense of self-satisfaction. Well, you know, he has been on 130 <laughs> times. I can't yeah, win every time. and it is your yeah, first yeah. time, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I guess that's just a good excuse for you to come back and seek your yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> seek revenge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Friend Gabal, after 22 years of wizard school, I am finally ready to begin adventuring. Me too, friend Kreven. So much study, so many books. This academic journey has truly required fortitude and dedication. Indeed, the path to magical power is long and arduous. It requires iron discipline, years of meticulous research, and vast quantities of note-taking. Well, unless you're a sorcerer. What? Well, I hear it's different for sorcerers. They're just born with a magical bloodline. It just comes naturally to them. Naturally? Yes. Apparently, they can just sense the sorcerous weave of the cosmos or something. It's all intuitive-like. You mean to say they don't study? I don't think so. No years of four hours of sleep reading ancient tomes deep into the night? No, no, I think they can just do it. This seems most unfair. A wizard must dedicate large portions of their life to the city, and these sorcerers, these dabblers, just get it for free? Now, it's, uh, it's not just the sorcerers. What do you mean? 
not just the sorcerers. Well, there's the warlocks too. The warlocks? You mean they don't study either? No, they, they just make a pact with some kind of powerful being. What sort of a pact? I think they just kind of ask for Eldritch power and they get it. For free, I think. Wait, so you're telling me that sorcerers are just born with the ability to cast spells? And warlocks just cozy up to some extra planar creature who gives their magical powers? Ah, that's pretty much the size of it, yes. While we wizards are forced to spend years in tedious and prolonged studies as our bodies waste away from lack of exercise and our beards grow long? Hmm, now you mention it, it does seem a bit unfair, doesn't it? Unfair doesn't even begin to describe it. I feel I have wasted my life. Perhaps we should write a letter of complaint. An excellent idea, Gabble. Sorcerers, indeed. We'll show them. Hello, uh, uh, friend Craven. What is it, Gabble? What will we show them? Well, the fundamental unfairness of the cosmos, I suppose. Ah, yes, right, that's it. The fundamental unfairness of the cosmos. But, but Craven. Yes, Gabble? What exactly do we expect them to do about it? Well, I suppose we should demand that all magical persons, whatever their source magic, should be required to spend an equal amount of time in study and contemplation of ancient arcane secrets. Right, right. Equal time. Got it. Equal working conditions and all that. We could unionise. Hmm, but Craven. Yes, Gabble. What if they say no? 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 No, I suppose it's war. We should start bolstering our ranks in preparation. Ah, okay. I'll, uh, I'll talk to the bards. Think the bards just cast spells by singing a little song? Oh, darn it. Okay, okay, the clerics then. I think they just pray to their gods and ask for a miracle. Well, that's just lazy. Ah, surely the ancient druids, masters of their domains, undertake long years of study and preparation for their roles. Really, no. They just kind of whisper sweet nothings in the direction of any nearby tree and bobs your uncle. You've got to be kidding. Does anybody but us have to actually work for their power? Well, there's the artificer. Artificer? What in the forty-three realms is that? They're like inventors, I think. They use alchemy and intricate tools to animate mundane objects. It takes years of detailed study to master. Sure. They sound dangerously like scientists. What's wrong with a good old spell book? That's what I want to know. Well, beggars can't be choosers. It's the artificers or nothing. Ah, fine, fine. The wizards and the artificers shall combine forces to fight for equal working conditions. Here, here. Well said, my friend. Although, uh, friend Crevin. Yes, Gabble? That does sound like a lot of work. Uh, true enough, true enough, friend Cabble. But we're not afraid of hard work, are we? Uh, about that. Yes, what about it? Would it be easier to just multiclass into sorcerer? Hey, so Peter, I was uh, I was walking down the road the other day and uh, I saw this bunch of really cool, good-looking people. Cool, good-looking. 
That could only be our patrons. Yep. Man, I have never seen such a well-informed debonair bunch in all my life. Yeah, right. You know, why is that? I don't know. You tell me. Well, if I was forced to speculate, I guess it's because they listen to our top secret, super exclusive bonus episode every week. Bonus episode? What? Yeah. Each week, our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Where can they find this? Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth. Huh, I did a, uh, a scientific calculation once just to see how much we're worth. Oh, yeah. How much? Uh, you probably don't want to know. Probably for the best. Anyway, if you, if you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash morris and, you know, just pledge a little. That's patreon.com slash morris. And thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this without you. I reckon we could. Shh. Should we talk about Tom? Should we talk about Lancer? Should we talk about Kill Six Billion Demons? What should we start with? Yeah. So much to talk about. I'm a big fan of at least two of the three things that you have done. Oh, great. That I'm aware of. (laughs) I I didn't know about the Kill Six Billion Demons RPG. Otherwise, yeah. But you are I, a fan of the comic book, though. So I'm a super big fan of the co- comic series on the web. It's oh, thank it's, you. It's wild. It's like I can't. The problem. My problem is, like, I want to froth and infuse about it, but when I start throwing around terms like heavy metal Hinduism, people <laughs> people give me strange looks. Like, <laughs> what are yeah. you talking about, Peter? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit hard to describe to people sometimes. Yeah, like the it must take a while to make these things because the artwork is. Dense and luscious, and yeah. some well, of those background scenes. Well, well, the bad news is wow. this is an audio format, so we do have to find some way to describe yeah. it. Because we can't actually show it to people. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I know, right? So that's why I've got the guy who helped draw it. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. <laughs> On the podcast. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so yeah. So I, I actually started drawing it uh, eight years ago mm-hmm. uh, as a webcomic. Which you can mm. find at killsixbilliondemons.com. Got a plug for it right there. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's uh, mm. it's still up there. It's for free. The whole thing's up there. It's like mm. five hundred and thirty pages now. I think. Wow. There are yeah. also three print editions with Image Comics out. Three books, and the fourth oh. one is coming out August sixth this year. Oh, really? um, we're currently on the fifth and final book online mm. right now. So mm. it's a good time to catch up. I used to tell people like be like. Um, you, you know, people be like, "Oh, I haven't read your comic yet," and they'd be like, "Oh, don't worry, I'm not finished with it." <laughs> you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to go. So yeah. that's, that's going to be how how the Walking Dead guy kind of feels. Something he's finished yeah. now, I think, hasn't he? But there was yeah, they were yeah. making a TV show all the while, and you hadn't finished the comics yet, right? But yeah, well, fortunately, they haven't done any TV show for for, for KSPD yet. So just the books, and those mm. are that'll be finished, I imagine, in the next couple of years. So, mm. Um, mm. But yeah, I I, uh, I really like. Um, sort of a weird weird fantasy stuff like uh like uh, there's a certain vibe (laughs) that's lost in like there's a lot how do i describe this i like i like sort of the mid-century fantasy vibe a little bit i like a lot of french fantasy Mm. like french artists like Mm. uh, if you know like uh, mobius jean girard Mm. uh a lot Mm. of the original art for like uh star wars for example was inspired by his stuff yeah a lot of like like uh, uh, Jodorowsky stuff, the uh, mm. the Inca, the Incal like mm. 
Wayne Barlow, who's done um, Barlow's Inferno, and he's written a bunch of other books. Um, he's like a speculative biology, and like, and like, if you go look, he's just his crazy paintings of hell, which are really yeah. cool. Just mm. like really, just like that sort of like um, you know Euro comic uh, indie, kind of course like anime manga and stuff. Mm. Huge fan of manga. Mm. Didn't actually watch much anime for a while, but got into manga and then got from manga got into comics in a big way. Mm. And so uh, I came into comics very, very peripherally as opposed to like through like, you know, superhero stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, through that kind of weird fantasy stuff. And I, and I love that. Mm. I, it's also the kind of same, same vibe as, the, as in like early D&D. Like, like, yeah, like appendix like, ends sort of like weird, weirdness. Yeah, like we're like in early D and fantasy before there was a divide. Right. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. If someone pulled a ray gun out in early D and D, you wouldn't be surprised. Mm. Right? You'd be like, "Oh, cool. Okay." Right. <laughs> you know. Seems legit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I but I really mm. like that. So so I ended up making a comic based in it. Um, mm. And how would I describe it to people? I think it's 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 a it's a story about a girl who's a sorority student post-college who's having a funky mm. time who's like mm. just, you know doesn't know who she is mm. and then she gets grabbed by a bunch of skeletal angels riding uh riding skull-faced like elephant people and dragged mm. away to a different dimension and then her boyfriend gets kidnapped she's trying to rescue him the whole time yeah, and it's yeah. sort of a weird interdimensional world hopping um kung fu yeah, someone described it as Vedic punk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's probably a better what's... shout than heavy metal Hinduism. Yeah, Vedic and, or punk. He- or heavy metal Hinduism. Yeah, mm. I-, I love like heavy metal magazine stuff. You guys know that. Like, I'm a huge fan of that sort of vibe. So yeah. if you're into like, that, if you if you like mm. uh, Planescape, if you like any of that sort of mm. style of stuff, that you'd like my comic a lot. So it, but, yeah, if you like Planescape, but super weird Planescape. But super weird Planescape. Yeah, like, yeah. Like and, I say, I love it. But partly because I'm like, I don't really have a frame of reference other than the comic's own frame of reference to describe it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I did write um, an RPG for it. I wrote a, a Apocalypse mm. World hack for it. It's uh, not a yeah. particularly good one, <laughs> but it does work. <laughs> and yeah. that's because people will always like, hey, how do I run this in 5e? How do I, how do I place 5e? And I'm like, I'm like I, I don't think 5e is a good system for running stuff because it's so yeah. different yeah. to what I'm trying to do. Yeah, yeah, so I was yeah. just like... I'll just write my mm. own hack and I, and I published it on, on my Patreon where you can still find it. And that's called Broken Worlds. Yeah, Broken yeah. Worlds. If you, if, you, if you want to go over to my Patreon and plug $1 in, you mm. can pick it up. <laughs> wow. So, uh, and I, I don't care if you, you know, unsubscribe from me afterwards. If you want to spend <laughs> one American dollar, you can go find it on there. One um, whole American dollar. Yeah, it's got all kinds of cool uh. lore and stuff. If you're into the comic... You would like quite like the RPG because it's basically a law. It's like a law book mm. that I couldn't fit in the comic for space mm. reasons. So it's got a ton of extra oh, stuff, okay. and yeah. people people enjoy reading it for that. So yeah, a lot of RPGs kind of like I think people buy them more as coffee table books to read about. Oh yeah, like yeah. maybe like a Star Wars um, sort of coffee table book, and you just read yeah. about all the characters and stuff. You don't necessarily play it. Right. Mm. Yeah. I mean, actually, mm. we, we when when I was designing uh, Lancer, the art for Lancer mm. and stuff, actually. We very much thought about mm. that as uh, as a thing for the book because mm. we wanted it to look really good. So even if you weren't going to play the book, yeah, you have a really nice book that you could just like have yeah. hanging out. I mean, that, that's <laughs> just a big uh, book okay. as well, isn't it? It's, uh, it is it's a, a proper book, yeah. coffee table size. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like four hundred uh, pages or something. Yeah, like um, <laughs> that that was like almost the conversation that I had with someone. I was like looking at the artwork, saying, "Oh, this looks just like the guy that wrote uh, Six Billion Demons artwork." Oh, I was nice. Like, well, <laughs> <laughs> funny you should say that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, actually, it's really funny because, like, mm. uh, I mean, the, the book ended up looking really great, but that's because mm. I did... I did most of the art for it, so I had a pretty clear yes. vision of like of like what yeah. I wanted it to look like. Mm. And you know, when you, whenever you yeah. have, a, I mean, whenever you have a single artist on a project like that, mm. it's going to look good because there's a clear vision. For it, like, I always, yeah, that's, that's one thing yeah. I always notice when you do get um, a sort of less cohesive art style in a book, and then you yeah. get you know one piece that's kind of a bit cartoony, another piece that's a bit kind of leaning more yeah. towards photorealism, and another piece that's kind of more like a watercolor. It kind of throws me out yeah. of it a little bit. It's a bit jarring, yeah. yeah. You, want a, you want a consistent tone, you want good art direction. Yeah. Right? So it's actually yeah. very easy to have good dir- art yeah. direction if you have less artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, uh, <laughs> I I just had a bunch of people that you know I knew from the comic industry, and mm. so I was just like, hey guys, you want to you want to come do art for my book? Like, I'll pay you. And they're like, mm. sure, I'd love work and money. <laughs> <laughs> I like being paid to do things. things. Yeah. yeah. So, so we got we got like James Stokoe to do some stuff. We got mm. Simon Roy to do some stuff. He's okay. you know I'm a huge fan of. Mm. Uh, my friend Sloan Leong who did some art for the book which is about to release and a few other people and it's really cool because like mm. we got a really cohesive mm. style so it ended up being a, a great looking book and yeah. very happy mm. about that so yeah, yeah. I think most people will probably who are listening to this probably already know but just for those few that don't so Lancer yeah. um, is uh, how, how would you sort of give the elevator pitch for what Lancer is oh uh, Lancer is a mech role-playing game mm. and i think we mm. described it as a uh, mud and lasers game yes. so it's yeah. a bit it's a bit space fantasy mm. on top mm. of being a sci-fi it's not very hard sci-fi but it's it's kind of grounded in a way that other mech games aren't so it's not like a super robot game like you'd play like you know like a uh, gundam or whatever but it does have its own sort of weird weirdness about it um yeah. and it's set in a very far future when humanity has survived yeah. a collapse and then it's come back yeah. And now there is a sort of galactic hegemon controlling everything. Mm. But, but in, a, in a twist on these usual type of stories, the hegemon in this game is actually very well-meaning. It's much like the um, sort of Starfleet or the Federation mm. from, uh, from uh, uh, Star Trek. So it's and, like an optimistic outlook. It's optimistic, yeah. 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 So it's a, it's, a, it's a different kind of sci-fi where, you know, uh, the galactic power is actually very much a sort of... Um, well-meaning, but you know, very bureaucratic, very slow-moving entity, and you're kind of working on the periphery to try and you know mm. improve life around around the galaxy and reunite humanity. So it's so if you like that kind of sort of forward-looking, you know, sort of sci-fi, I think you'd like quite enjoy Lancer. If you like, for example, the uh, works of like Ursula Le Guin or mm. something like that, or um, mm-hmm. what's the the Raj trilogy, the one that came out. Um, and Lackey, uh, uh, what, what's okay. her name? She's right. really, it's really bad. I can't remember her name now. Uh, yeah. She she worked on the the, the uh, ancillary sword, ancillary justice, that kind of stuff. Is that not that? That is unlucky, isn't it? That sort of like far future sci-fi stuff with with a bit of a twist. And and the game is notable, I think, if, if for mechanics-wise, because um, it has a classless system. Mm. And we make a big difference between narrative play and mech combat. And the mech combat mm. is quite it's quite crunchy, but it's not yes. crunchy in a way that I think is obtrusive for a lot of people. It's accessible. Mm. And um, If I said I, there were three sorts of level of technology, yeah. we've got simple crude, where it's, like it's basically you pull a big lever and it sort of works. Yeah. Like um, complicated and sort of crude, and then simple and sophisticated. 
I feel your your product's definitely more towards the iPhone level of sophistication. Oh. Which I, I, I was, well, yeah, I, I played at it. I was like, yeah. I was not expecting, to be fair, I wasn't expecting much because the guy that was running it, excellent GM, but really is strongly into narrative games, which I yeah. find often lack the levers I enjoy pulling on. Whereas right, this, right. I'm like, oh, okay, so if I pull on these little things, I can make exciting things happen. Um so, yeah. you know, Chad Flexington had an excellent time piloting their mech. Nice. I've taken a lot of influence from 4th uh, edition D&D mm. for, the, for mm. the actual design of the combat in the game. Yeah. And, and the combat is quite in-depth, and there's a lot you can do, and character mm. builds extremely uh, open. So if you like that kind of, like, deep character mm. customization on one side of things, but also having a very free-form narrative experience. I think you really like Lancer. Um, a lot of people have gotten into it for that reason. Uh, and we have very, very good support for the game. We have probably, I'm going to yeah. say, make a, make a claim here. Mm-hmm. Mm. We have the best character builder app in the market right Ooh. now, which is CompCon. That's a good one. Uh, not, not only is it free, uh, mm-hmm. it has it's a web app, so you can run it in yep. anything. And yep. uh, it'll set, keep your stuff saved to the cloud, and yep. you can build characters in it. It'll take you five minutes. You can do yep. live combat tracking. You can do encounter building as a GM. It'll have all the uh, NPC data. You can import book data directly from the files on our like store page into the app instantly from a browser, and it'll load everything in there for you wow. and save yeah. it. Compcon.app, yeah. Yeah. Try it out. If you want to give it a shot, yeah. I guarantee it. If you, if you don't know the game, log on and try making a character. You'll have a great time. You, you, you can do a lot of customization <laughs> and make a very cool mech. Oh, and, uh, and the core totally rules for Lancer are also free. I was just um, about to mention the, that, actually. Is, yeah. uh, you did so, have a really successful Kickstarter, which raised, what, nearly did, half a million yeah. dollars and created yeah. this big, big, big hardcover book. But yeah. you've, got the, you've got the rules out there for free as well. That's right. If you want to, if you want to run the game, actually, it's zero cost to, to try it because uh, the yeah. only thing missing from from the actual uh, full book, the paid book, is yeah. uh, the GM section with like the lore and the NPC yeah. stuff. So only one person really needs the book, which the digital version of it, by the way, is twenty five bucks. So it's not yeah. a big That's ask. Pretty cheap, yeah. Uh, and if you, but then the player rules all the mech stuff in the core book. Yeah. Everything in there is 100% free, and all the base rules are free. So if you yeah. want to just check the game out, you can just go download it off our uh, itch page and just go play the game. Give yeah. it a shot. Find sons. You know, you got five people. Give them five bucks. Go buy a copy of the core book, and you can. Do you know, people yeah. listening to this podcast today have just found out that they for for one dollar they can they can pick up your uh, six million <laughs> demons six million yeah. demons uh, <laughs> RPG, and now for that's free right. they can pick up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. a, it's a good episode, I so, think, for people who. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good value, man. Yeah. Well, 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 well yeah. so basically, like when we when we were developing the game, um, yeah. we put it online for free. We put testing versions of it online. Yeah. Um, we had like a Google Drive folder for a long time. We just stuck yeah. stuff on there and had people try it out. And basically, the yeah. consequence of that was over about two years. Mm. Yeah. We had a huge community spring up around the game who were playing mm. the game actively and giving us a ton of feedback mm. and like really mm. good playtesting and stuff. Nice. Um, over time, and and that was because it was free. it was free. There's no there was no yeah. no barrier you know, to entry. Yeah. No no yeah no barrier at all. Yeah. And and uh, and so it felt a bit weird to take a Charles, game that was right, by yeah. all means almost complete, mm. and then be mm. like, well, you should pay for this now, despite the fact mm. that it's practically the same game. Yeah yeah. Mm. But what I found is that I mean I've basically made my career over the last six years by doing things mm. for free and then asking people to pay for it later. And you find I'm, that people I'm actually want company. to yeah. 
They do, yeah, yeah. because because what, what the, the strength of the internet is that, well, there's two things about the internet, right? One thing is that if people want to get your book for free, they'll get it for free. They'll mm. parrot it, right? Yeah. It's no problem. They will just like, straight into it, yeah. Mm. Yeah, like the funniest thing ever was was that, um, the, the, I don't want to mention by name, but a certain, a certain uh, well-known RPG pirate site put up uh, Lancer on there uh on their site and it was really funny because like yeah. we, we we were like someone was like hey they have it they have this this you know lancer on their site and we're like why you can get the game for free on our page man like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like <laughs> um, it's but, like uh, for free why would you pirate you can't yeah can yeah, you yeah. Pirate something for free yeah. <laughs> I don't know. but people will get it anyway right and the other yeah. thing is uh that model promotes people playing your game and trying it out and, mm. and experiencing it. And then you have community and community is much more resilient over mm. time. And, and if your game is good, people will play and get involved in it, you know? And, mm. um, and then, they'll, then they'll be willing to, to, to pay and support your stuff and spread the word of mouth about your game. So I think that's been really successful for Lancer so far. I mean, uh, online sales and sales of the book's been extremely good. I mean, we, we sold through... Um, I think we're going to sell through our hard copies when they go online as well. We might be running another printing of that at some point. Nice. Uh, but that's only because so many people have like, the, like it's spread, it's spread out because there's more access to it, right? Um, and of course, we, we do, of course, you know, we, the, the, the core book with the full thing, it is paid, right? Uh, we, we have an expansion out uh, called Long Rim, which is 10 yeah, bucks. Yeah. Mm. Um, but like uh, that stuff's all moving forward. But we're just about to release a, a campaign guide for, uh, called uh, No Broom for a Wallflower. Which should be coming out um, fairly soon. It's got to go into layout still, but um, yeah. it'll be coming out digitally, and uh, th that'll be paid as well. But but the thing is, mm. all the player-facing content, mm. so the mechs, the mechs rules that will mm. come with that stuff, will actually be free. Uh, you'll be able to download it and then plug it into CompCon and just like run it if you want. So mm. um, so that'll always remain free. So for stuff for players, purely for players, will 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 be free and then all the GM stuff we're going to moving forward that also lends itself to streaming as well doesn't it because that it makes does, it really yeah, accessible yeah. for streamers and having streamers play your game is quite important yeah. these days if you want yeah yeah definitely yeah, yeah. and you I, can get quite a lot of miniatures like little tokens and stuff created oh online. yeah yeah well yeah. we have a we have yeah. a sort of um I was going to say as well, I was inspired a lot by Kevin Crawford because he, he also puts out free versions of his game. He does mm. the Star Wars yeah, number yeah. and um, yeah. Without the one. Yeah. World's yeah. Without is the latest Kickstarter. That's on oh, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And what's his other game that's really quite good? It's like the Exalted spin-off kind of one. Um, uh, is it God Godbound? God, Godbound, yeah, whatever it is. Is that yeah. him as well? Bloody hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Quite good. <laughs> um, and and yeah. there's a free version of it for you, for you to just play and check out. And he, his, his explanation was very similar. He's like, every time someone downloads a free version of my game, that's one more person on my mailing list <laughs> that gets an email when I post new stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's cool because like, there's been such a big community around Lancer, we're now able to source a lot of assets and, and things for the game from the mm. community. So like in my most recent book uh, that we've been putting out with uh, our campaign guide, I've actually been able to go to the community and like pull some artists from the community who have mm. been doing Lancer commission art for about a year or two. Right. And, you know, and so I'm just like, hey, uh, you, you do mechs really well. You want to come on and do one for the official book? <laughs> like, nice. Hey. nice. Uh, and yeah. Uh, we've had, yeah, we've had like Com CompCon, for example, was a, was a yeah. community uh, development. Yes. It was a community app. It's, uh, it's open good, source yeah. still, and it's an mm. it's an OGL thing. So, uh, uh, so like um, anyone can come work in it or or mm. do it. It's, I think it's just up on GitHub. Like you can go work in the uh, CompCon. Um, but we we're, we're supporting its development because it's such a good mm. thing. Like 
Yeah. Uh, and then, and then also, there's a guy um, you mentioned. There's a guy who I forgot. I don't actually, actually know his, his name. I just know his handle. But um, he, he he's, uh, goes retrograde minis is what he goes by, and he does pixel art stuff. That website there. Uh, yeah, that, there it is. Yeah, retrogrademinis.com. Yeah. Yeah, those and, are the really good ones that we use for our game. And I was like, these oh are really? Very yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, he he's done these cool like like pixel. Mm. Um, images of like eight, 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 eight bit sort of style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The um, more and more, than the, I think they're bit higher, higher bit than that. Yeah, but yeah, but, but they got like, the aesthetic. They got the kind of aesthetic of like oh, yeah, looking, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they and and you can customize in the same way you'd actually yes. customize a ge- mech in the game, and then you can pr- like print them out, so like mm. paper standees, or like yeah. print them to icons you can use in games mm. and stuff. And uh, yeah. he actually approached us early on. And he's like, "Hey, can I can I do this?" And we're like, "Yeah." He's like, "Can I just like run a Patreon on the side?" And I'm like, "Yeah, go ahead." Like, and it's oh, like yeah. everyone's using those minis now, and they'd be really cool. Yeah. And like, um, so so it's yeah. it's fun to see like the community yeah. around the game support it so much. Yeah, because uh, it's very I'd organic. It's bit, it's not, you know. Yeah, I'd say it's a bit like Hero Forge, but for Max. Yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah like that, yeah. that's a lot of fun. T- totally. Yeah, I think, mm. I think that kind of development style um, works really mm. well, especially because uh, mm. the team for Lancer is is basically me, my co-writer Miguel Lopez, and mm. then our like two two or three contracts as we get to work on the books, mm. and the, and then like the um, artists we bring on. So it's like basically, it's basically me, me, Miguel Lopez, uh, Melody Watson, who is our editor, and uh, mm. like I said, uh, Mina Isles, who is our um, layer artist, and that's really it. And then, and then like John, who's our CompCon guy, but he wouldn't, he, we don't like employ him, right? He's just he's doing his own thing. <laughs> mm. He has yeah. their, they have their own Patreon, so it's very, yeah. it's a very loose sort of you know, yeah. uh, thing. But we're, but but by doing that, it's been very flexible, yeah. and uh, we've been able to you know take advantage of a lot of the. The community swell of support for the game yeah. stuff—it's so been really—it's cool, so. it's very federal style of running. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I saw—I yeah, saw an interview with you. Uh, it was on Dicebreaker, I think. It was probably oh yeah, yeah maybe yeah. a year ago or something. I can't remember when it was. And um, yeah, you were talking a little bit about sort of changing some of the sort of um, problematic paradigms of like D and D and stuff. Yeah. I mean, are you okay yeah. to talk a little bit about that and how Ooh. how that's been incorporated into Lancer? Oh sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, so basically, like, so I, I really love I love old school D anD D. I love fantasy stuff, you know. And so there's this interesting thing where, man, how to how to phrase it? Fantasy fantasy works in certain contexts. I I think as oh. as someone who write, has written fantasy and has done fantasy games and stuff. But when it, when it start you start to adjust the context around it, certain elements of fantasies take on more or less different different meanings, right? Like like I don't think there's I don't think there's many issues with um, or the idea of like an orc in Tolkien, for example, because in Tolkien, there's a, it's it, the orcs serve a very specific role. They're they're industrialists. They're they're kind of fashy. You know, they they're all about destroying the good green pastoral England and replacing it with industrialization and, and decay and all that kind of stuff, right? And 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 the, the messaging and the imagery and stuff is is quite clear there, right? So them is mm. like this sort of pawn of a monolithic evil power is, is kind mm. of okay. It's all right. So you don't have a, any sort of moral compunctions about killing orcs in Middle Earth, right? Cause right they're, yeah, because they're, they're literally monsters. They're literally monsters yeah. and, and, and they're yeah. emblematic of something, something else, right? But mm. then, you know, when you go into like D&D, I mean, some of that comes in, but then also like that, that, yeah. this sort of like other, other sort of, um, you have to look at like what, what is the fantasy telling us about the world? And, and so mm. orcs became a sort of like, 
barbarian stand in, right? And then, and then mm. so that sort of you get into all kinds of like uncomfortable racial coding yeah. that comes mm, yeah. in, for example, yes. in, in, into D&D uh, over time. And, and a lot of that, you know, a lot yeah. of like the early D&D had a lot of that because, because just because that was just yeah. where a lot of fantasy was. And so... Yeah, I think and, when and, Mendez and, was talking about like if yeah. you're using the same language to describe orcs that other people used to describe him... That's kind of not cool. Then it's uh, not. Yeah. yeah, it's not right yeah. because 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 you have got to watch. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. What what, yeah. what what specific? What's the what what's the intention of, of including that kind of? What's the intention of including like race and, and and racial stuff in fantasy in the first place? Right. But when you really like, mean species, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Right. 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 Hmm. And and uh, and I think today we have we have an understanding of of like when I want to play an elf in fantasy. Hmm. It's yeah. like I want to do cool elfy things, and I want to. I want to be. I want to have like elven ancestry and be able to cool on that, and be very agile and do all kinds of cool stuff. I, it's the things that make me special, not mm. the things that that define me as a character. And I think you know a certain era of D and D, you know, f- called on racial coding that was you know very very problematic in a way and and was like you know all, all orcs have less intelligence and stuff and all yeah. elves have it. and 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 you know that that i think you know no, uh, even the wizards idea of, of coast is, is slowly predicting destiny oh yeah that's, yeah that's not cool no. yeah 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 mm-hmm. it, it's like that's because that you know that's we can move past that you know as yeah, rpg yeah. designers i think and, and move on to the the like things that people like about playing a different um yeah. kind of character um mm-hmm. Without the racial coding, uh, and yeah. uh, and also and so, having intelligent creatures in your game just so they can be stabbed to death. Right, right. That's yeah, kind of a, a weird bit, concept when you say it. A bit weird. Like yeah. yeah, I mean, D and D sort of grates. It sort of grates against to mm. me its its original premise, which was very mm. much a we are the, the very black and white moral good and evil. Mm. We're running through a dungeon stabbing monsters. Because that's fundamentally what the game is about and has been for, for its entire lifespan. But the way people play it nowadays is very different. It's, it's, sort, of, it's sort of become like uh, me and my queer tiefling friends hang out and stab a dragon yeah. occasionally sort of game <laughs> for a lot of people, yeah. which is a great game. But I don't, think, yeah. I don't think 5e and I don't think D&D is actually very suited for that kind of game. I think it's... Um, mm. It, I think it's suited for much more... It's really about running through things, stabbing monsters and getting treasure and stuff. And I think yeah. the actual mechanics lend themselves to that still. Mm. And so a lot, of the, a lot of the coding, a lot of the, 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 the fantasy that was in original D&D mm. doesn't fit the, the modern style of game that we play for D&D, which is much more morally the, ambiguous. Much the same more, space for moral nuance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And we can get rid of all the racial coding and stuff man it doesn't yeah. need to be in here it's 2021 man so, like so you know in your game in lancer um i you, you yeah. don't have aliens you no so so mm. so in lancer in lancer the, the the key principle for us was when you pick your character you pick what your character's good at and that's what you're yeah. good at that's that's how you play, make a character in lancer you pick you pick skills you're good at you pick a background for your narrative side of things and then for your mech stuff that's an entirely separate thing and you, you build mm-hmm. that separately it has nothing to do with the kind of person yeah you are. Oh, yeah i've, I've I've always hated in uh, in role playing games where it's like, mm. oh, uh, I want to play a an an intelligent guy. Well, if mm. I'm playing an intelligent guy, th- th- as part of my personality, I have to be a wizard. Mm. I can't play an intelligent fighter because fighters aren't intelligent because they use strength, mm. and that that just just rankles me because there's all kinds yeah. of examples of different kinds of characters and fiction yeah. and history which are 
different kinds of people, but they have to do something different in when they pick up a sword, you know? Um, so we don't have any of that in Lancer. There's no aliens in Lancer. Well, no intelligent aliens, for certain. No intelligent aliens, yeah. yeah. There's, no, there's no sapient alien life in Lancer. And, and the mm. reason for that is because we wanted, you, we wanted the game to be about conflicts between people. Yes. And, and not to have an easy enemy, so to speak. Mm, mm. Although there are some sort of easy enemies in Lancer, but they're, mm. they're of the, the other popular kind of, of uh, easy enemy, which is the jackbooted kind. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, a, a, a game where you get to kill space Nazis, it's yeah, like, yeah. well, that's okay. You know, they but, do what they signed up for. But it needs to be complicated. You need to be, mm. you know, we have a, you have a big robot and it's a, it's a cool big robot, but we want to make you think a lot about what you're doing with it. Um, so that, that was important to us, uh, to, to get that out of the game and just make it, make it, um, and, and, and I will spoil something. Uh, so a little bit of a spoiler here for anyone who's listening and is about to play No Room for a Wallflower, which is our first campaign guide. So if you're going to play that, stop listening now. But, uh, in, in a uh, Wallflower, we do actually have, there is actually a sapient alien species in, in Lance. So that's revealed in Wallflower. Uh, they're called the Egregorians, and they're sort of uh, they're, they're sort of like um, Starship Troopers bugs, right? That's how we describe oh, them. Yeah, yeah. But okay. they're just pe- they're just people. They're intelligent, and they're not. You don't fight them. You fight with them, actually, in the book. Oh, nice. And if you, and the note we have in the book on playing an Egregorian is it says, if you want to play an Egregorian, play an Egregorian. Hmm. They're the same as everyone else. <laughs> they're still people, yeah. uh, and and we relate to them as people. It's just that will be your background. We don't have any racial bonuses. We have no other things that will change how you play. Yeah. You're just playing a character, and a character's are all weighted yeah. equally. Well, well I think it's someone. quite clever in the, because you've divided the mech and the person, you can put all that crunch yeah. into a robot, oh, into yeah. a machine, into yeah, a piece yeah. of equipment, essentially. And then that gives right. you that whole crunchy side of the game that you can delve into and tweak and, and stuff like that. Right. I think it's very important to separate out the arenas of play when you play an RPG. And I think it's important to keep those mechanics separate. Um, and I actually am trying to push that in all my design, and I will be in all the future design I do for games, because I, I think this is how we play games, actually. When you play D&D, or in modern D, or you play 5e or whatever, you, you go through and you're doing narrative stuff and you're rolling skill checks, right? And then you get to combat and we roll initiative, and now we're in a different thing where there's turns and yes, there's actions, yeah, yeah. right? And, and it's sort of loose in, in, in D&D and 5e, and that, and that can lead to some weird arguments. So I remember like playing a game with a guy, and he's like, can I not just make a skill check every six seconds until I succeed if rules is written? And I was like, yeah, but, you know, you can, if you really want to make everyone bored, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and make us all like want to sort of throw you off the table. You, you could do that, rules is written, but we're not going to do that because that's not how everyone plays the game. Everyone plays narrative mode, combat mode. So, so yeah. I've always tried to codify that. And I, I think um, a game which is my favorite RPG, uh, which is Blades in the Dark by mm. John Harper, does mm. this extremely well, um, where basically you have a score, you have like an actual yeah. codified part of the game where you're doing it. So this is about being criminals and sort of a mm. uh, dishonored, yeah. you know, uh, what is it? Like, that, that's um, sort of setting. It's yeah, like ele- a city sort of setting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Surrounded and, and you, by demonic walls, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You go in and you do a score. You're all criminals. You're, do, you, mm-hmm. you, you're stealing something. You're on a heist, right? And then when you're off the heist, you go into downtime, which can be much looser. Mm. But there's a, mm. there's a very codified break between now mm. we're in downtime, now we're in a score. Yes. Uh, and there are actually different rules for both of them. Mm-hmm. And for like crew development and for character development mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff. And I really like that because I, I think it, it, it makes smoother play and it tells the players, like, this is time for this kind of play. Yeah. This is time for this yeah. kind of play. 
And there the two shall meet because we want to make sure you can feel powerful and cool in both arenas. Mm. You know? Yeah, Dif- different modes of play have yeah. different rules. That's sort of right. like a bit of a code switch, if you will. Yeah, I, like, I mean, Kevin, RPGs. I, hmm. I mentioned uh, Kevin Crawford earlier, but he does a thing in uh, Stars Without Number where he does uh, skill checks on 2d6 because yes. it's on a bell curve, right? Mm-hmm. And then he does combat checks on 1d20 because it's mm-hmm. more exciting. Yeah. And so he, he, he like splits it up in a very definite way, right? And yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's interesting. So it, it certainly deals with some of the problems with a d20 system where <laughs> you should be amazing at something and then about 5% of the time you make a complete pig zero yeah. out of it. Right, and yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, that's not so good. So right. You can do it, but the 2d6 curve is kind of nice. Like yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Mm. But yeah, um, that's that, that. That's sort of our, 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 our design for that was, um, you know, empowering people not to feel like they've made bad character right, choices. Yeah. And yeah. To, mm. you know, yeah. yeah. Um, and like I say, I played a professional wrestler turned mech jockey, and that was a lot of fun. And I found those sufficient levers to let me indulge the fantasy of like a big chest cavity opening, a big laser coming out of it, and this anime style arc of doom appearing mm. and still nice. rolling a big handful of dice. I think it was one of the Harrison models. Oh yeah. Uh, the, nice. the, yeah, the one with that like, you power oh, it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. the Sherman. The Sherman, sorry, I don't yeah, know yeah. That, but yeah. That was that you yeah. gotta I, yeah. I had a lot of fun with that. That was very good. Cool. Mm. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier that the mech combat side of the game took a lot of inspiration from D D fourth edition. Yeah. Um I yeah I kind of um, personally, have my sort of mech combat gaming history. I think is pretty much only the BattleTech. Do you remember the battle, the older BattleTech right. um, hex grid? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how how yeah, far, how far the, off from that would you? They got they got the hit locations. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have a copy of that. They re-released it think, a few yeah. years ago, actually, and I've got a copy of that upstairs. But uh, uh, it's pretty far away from that. Yeah. I'd say it's definitely it's definitely much more codified. Hmm. Uh, I I think it was really important to make design very active and to make the actual actions of doing things in the game pretty snappy. Mm. And mm. I think you'll find when you're playing the game that it's actually fairly clear. I know if I've played the game a bunch at this point. Mm. Um, I've played it on stream actually, but, uh, not too long ago. Mm. Um, when you have you have a very uh, limited and clear set of resources available to you, and you're able to spend them in really interesting mm. ways, um, which mm. is what I quite liked about 4e. I, I think um, yeah. I think I, so. I, I I like I play Five E a lot with my friends because that's the game to play. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't I'm, I'm going to throw some shade on on the Five E guys here. But oh. actually, actually, I got a, my, my my good friend and co-writer uh, of Lancer actually works for Wizards of the Coast now. He's on the uh, Magic Gathering. Mm. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, Miguel. Yeah, Miguel's doing writing for Magic right now. So I can't Sweet. have to. He's, he's like, you be careful. Can't, can't, yeah, you got to be careful, man. <laughs> but, but, yeah, don't but don't I do, get your I, co-writer I, I, fired. Whatever you do. <laughs> That would be awful. I, I think five E is nice for like a for like a pretty rules light sort of you know getting into role playing games sort of thing. But then you know when it comes to combat, mm. I don't think the combat's actually particularly good, and it's most of the mm. game. Um, mm. And 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 the game also tries to pretend like combat isn't most of the game, but it actually is because you know that's why the most of the rules are and all the spells and all that stuff. Um, and so I've always I've always thought like if you're gonna make a game about something. Mm-hmm. Make sure that the actual game you're playing oh. is good and, mm. and interesting and fun and balanced and there are, there are lots of things to do. And so I've always thought a lot of, a lot of games, they, they, try to, they try to mix, they try to like sort of split the difference. They try to be like, well, mm. we want to have a free form system 
and not have the combat be too crunchy. Or, or we want to try and simulate things a lot so the combat's very crunchy, but it gets a little too deep into simulationism, right? Mm. And, and I, I look to, you know, lots of like board games and video games and stuff because they're games that you play the game and it's very clear what to do. Mm. It's, mm. You, when you take actions in board games and video games, they feel really good. There's a lot of attention paid to game feel. Mm. And, um, and we don't have to, you know, like one of the things I didn't like about Battletech or any of those other mm. older games is like, you're doing like hit locations and like, mm. and like rolling all these percentile charts and yeah. keeping track of heat and doing all this stuff. And it was just seems so unnecessary rather than just sort of being like, okay, there's you lot, have... There's yeah, a lot of paperwork for right. what should be a narrative experience of large bits of your mech are blowing right. off. What you going right. to do? Yeah. yeah, and in Lancer, in Lancer, you have a move, and you've got two mm. actions, mm. and you can you can get some heat on your mech for a third action, and and so to, to give in a comparison, in BattleTech, when you gain heat, which is a system I, I quite like because it's kind mm. of a fun action tracking thing, you mm. know, there's a, you have to track it, and you you lose a certain amount, you do all, all kinds of bookkeeping, right, and it's and it's kind of a pain in the ass to keep track of it. But in Lancer, you only gain heat, and you only care about heat when you hit a certain threshold. Then you overheat, you make a, like a very quick check, you see what mm. happens, and then you tick a little box off. And the more boxes you've got ticked off, the worse things get for you each time that bar mm. fills up, which creates some fun tension. But you don't have to really bookkeep it. You don't lose it um, a certain amount per round. If you lose it, you lose all of it. Mm. You have to be active and take that action to do it. Yes. Um, and it's quite costly, so you have to think about it. So there's lots of trade-offs between, do I want to cool my mech? Um, like for example, in in, in Lancer, mm. the, the the like cool my mech, like heal myself mm. action, yeah. takes it takes your whole turn, but you can you do a lot with it. It's very very mm. it's a very good action to take. It feels good to take because I didn't want people having a boring time of being like, oh, I guess I've got to cool now, or I guess I've got to repair, yeah. or like fix my mech up. You can uh, do a lot when you take that one action. I remember there's one I picked up where I like I cool my mech, and when I do so, I lose all the heat. And disappear behind a big fog cloud, which was yeah, very yeah, evocative. Yeah, yeah. Right, uh, right. Well, a steam cloud driver. It's like, oh, I'm steam. I get partial cover. Ha ha! Unlucky. Well, you, you piloted the Sherman, right? And the, Sh- yes. the Sherman, the Sherman has a thing. This is a mech in Lancer, and mm. it has a big laser cannon in it. Yes. And every time you cool your mech down or repair mm. it and take yeah. that action to do that, you store up charges in your laser cannon. And the more mm. you do it, the more powerful this laser cannon becomes until it becomes oh, yeah. grotesquely overpowered for yes. like, what the size of gun it is. I noticed. But, yeah. but that's because you've spent like four turns, you know, yeah. healing and cooling and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I think it's, it, it's, it's important. I mean, it's like, you know, hitting that thing between tactical combat where you don't want it to be so in-depth that mm. people are spending, you know, 10 minutes doing their turn, but you also mm. want it to be interesting and make the decisions be interesting, I think is very difficult to do. And it took two and a half years of hard playtesting. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it, it sort of reminds me of 13th Age, where you've got the escalation dice, yeah, I which like increases yeah, your like chance to hit. So mm-hmm. that's sort of like the Speed things gaining heat by shooting mm-hmm. your massive lasers and then yeah. cooling down, which charges your central massive laser. For me, that was very appealing because it sort of led to a natural yeah. climactic part of the battle where I was like, no, I've had enough of this guy now. I, go, I, go. Yeah. Whom? I just Does like that? I just like the um I like the mm. the 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 four four E model of like I have specific mm. resources. Yes. I know how to spend them. I have specific things I can do on my turn, mm. but all of them are kind of interesting. Um, yes. And I don't I don't like the re- sort of the the regression that has gone into five E where they try and be they mm. try and do the five E combat where they're like well it's loose it's free form but actually the rules for five E combat are are you playing a wizard mm. or a spellcaster. You're going to have an interesting time. 
Are you not? You're not going to have an interesting time because there's nothing for you to do mechanically in the room. I mean, if you're playing with a GM who allows you to improvise and all that stuff, you can do more. But the actual rules that support you doing stuff in combat in 5e are dead boring if you're not playing any kind of spellcaster, which is when you find any kind of actual play of 5e... They when all you go do play spellcasters eventually. Like into the higher levels, especially. Like, uh, oh, it gets silly as hell, yeah. Like, fir- yeah. first five, everything yeah. is pretty nail biting because yeah. the spellcasters don't completely dominate it. Once you start getting right. five and ten plus, it's like, well, yeah. I guess I'm, I'm here well, as well. Well, if you look at the, the numbers, right? Mm. Like, a fighter's mm. quite scary in 5e. Very scary. Oh, yeah. They do a shit ton of damage. Yeah. But, but, but the yeah. options they have are, are boring as hell. And outside of combat, they can't do yeah. anything. They literally have to play Mother May I with the with the five E's rather bad skill check. Somebody somebody really but, should write an advanced version of five E with a fully expanded exploration. Yeah. Some sort some sort of exploration system, Russ. Meaningful choices at every character level for every single class. Oh, Someone should do that. Maybe fact. one that's uh, put the warlord back in crazy like almost like you had like several distinct skill trees of fighting abilities oh. which different oh, classes okay. could use except for the fighter of course who's like eh, i like that one and that one and that one and that one and that one i gotta say i i really want to play a fighter well that sounds that. like a good idea someone should really do that they should yeah someone should only sorry no, sorry. Uh, right, we're coming up to time now, so we have to start winding down we are. a little bit. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm yeah. sorry for, for rambling. Oh, no, it's fine. Right. Brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure. Um, before before like, we... Like, let us know if you come up with another project, and let us know, because you, oh, yeah. you, can, you can definitely come again, I think. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you want to shout out your stuff that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm, uh, I'm Tom. My co-writer is uh, Miguel Lopez. We work on... Um, Lancer RPG with Massive Press. You can find us at uh, massive-press at itch.io. You can just Google Lancer RPG. It'll pull that yeah. right away. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have another book, campaign book coming out soon called No Room for a Wallflower. It's our first campaign guide. It's got a bunch of player-facing content in it. It's got some new mechs. It's going to be great. Um, and uh, I also do Kill Six Billion Demons, which you can find at killsixbilliondemons.com. It's a free webcomic. There's also three print editions with Image Comics and a fourth coming out August 6th this year. And there's an RPG which you can get for just a dollar, which is an amazing deal. A dollar on my Patreon. Yeah, patreon.com slash kill6billiondemons. Kick me a buck. Pick up my kind of janky Apocalypse World hack. And go but also the Law Bible for the webcomic. And the Law Bible for the webcomic. Yeah, very true. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, no, fantastic, Tom. That was really good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I've really, I've yeah, really enjoyed yeah, that chat. Thanks for having was... me. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. 
I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. The second half of the podcast, we'll talk about you. We'll talk about uh, Kill Six Billion Demons. We'll talk about uh, Lancer. Whatever you want to talk about, really. Sure, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, strictly, we should be talking about Lancer, but like, I really, really like... I really like Six Billion Demons. Kill Six Billion is like really good. <laughs> well, it, 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 no, it's, it's still relevant because there's an RPG, Broken Worlds, of it. So there is. That's there's true. an RPG of it as well. Not yes, very good. Yes, you did not know. Ah, there's an RPG of it. Oof. Wow. Oh, you're just getting excited now. I, 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 I'm just thinking how the how how would you? G- wow. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that in a bit. We'll get into that. Uh, like. I love reading it, but like it's it's yeah yeah. Save save the questions for the actual podcast bit. Yeah, 